Today's guest on the Horny Deer Sense podcast is actually the very first guest that we had on the podcast, Anthony Ellis, the founder of AGE Trumpets. Um, Anthony actually just closed out his turkey Grand Slam yesterday, and I was supposed to get this podcast out before his trip down there, but actually lost the file, but was able to recover it. Um, as far as this podcast, so Anthony, he's phenomenally talented, uh, but he's a friend more so than anything and he's local. So when we do a podcast, it's, I think the podcast really is just an excuse for us to hang out and smoke cigars and drink good whiskey. Uh, that being said, Anthony did bring some good whiskey and by the end of this podcast, I had drank way more than I had planned on and way more than I had realized. And it, I mean, it's, it's hard for me to listen to and I started to edit it, but I was like, screw it. But it's, if you can you know, dial back to a time where you're in a bar and a drunk guy asks you the same question five different ways, that's basically uh, what Anthony had to sit there. <laughs> and God bless him. Every time I ask him you know, a question, he's trying to figure out a different way to answer it. But uh, yeah, it, it's cringeworthy for me. But just just a heads up, if you want to cut it off thirty minutes before it ends, it will <laughs> it won't it won't hurt my feelings. But I hope y'all enjoy it, and congrats to Anthony for closing out the Grand Slam. Welcome to the Horny Deer Sense Podcast. I'm your host, founder of Horny Deer Sense, Scott Pratt. In this podcast, we connect with personalities across the outdoors, sharing hunting tips, reliving old hunting memories, and discussing life in general. Our goal as a podcast and as a company is to bring new hunters into this great lifestyle and to help keep the ones that we've got. So settle in, hang out with us for a little while on the Horny Deer Sense Podcast. Anthony Ellis, welcome back to the Horny Deer Sense Podcast. How's it going, Scott? Man, I'll be honest with you. We're sitting here. What kind of cigars did you bring? Uh, Rocky Patel Vintage 94s. Ooh, ooh. We got Rocky Patel Vintage 94s. They're not 92s, but they'll do. Well, yeah, I wasn't going to say anything, but <laughs> yeah, you being a guest and all, normally you'd never made it to the door with a 94, but today... <laughs> But you also, uh, you brought, what else did you bring? Some, Was it uh, Crown Royal Reserve? Yeah, Reserve, yes. My favorite. It's, um, yeah, you're you're more than welcome to come over here anytime <laughs> and talk turkey with me. I can do it all day. So, have you been out at all? Have you got to go listen or anything so far? <laughs> yeah, I've been out a couple times. It's been cold and uh, a little windy when I've been, but not heard nothing yet but i've seen a little sign around they're, so they're, they're doing their they're, they're doing their thing now so it seems like a month ago that we did the very first podcast how long has it been that's a good question was it, was it really september th- october september it was i think deer season had started if not it was close yeah it's weird though like it feels like it was a couple of months ago, and then like at the same time, it feels like an eternity ago. How's it feel second go round? Oh, awesome! <laughs> <laughs> we've got we've actually got the uh, Instagram. Uh, we're going live right now on that too, so I'm curious to see how that's going to work out. But we're sitting here. Uh, this is one of those, 
And on a couple of podcasts ago, I actually had Bobcat Williams on. I don't know if you know Bobcat. He makes these turkey calls out of petrified wood. And uh, I'll show you one before you get going. But we were talking about the whiskey speech, Noah Soggy Sweat. Did you hear that one yet? I did. I did. Yeah, I heard that episode. Yeah. Were you familiar with that? No, no, I wasn't. Pretty incredible, yeah, though, right? That was awesome. Yeah. Oil oh, of yeah. conversation. <laughs> I'm getting oiled up right now. So going back to you know, we had talked about circling back for turkey season, and we've actually got my cousin Kelby behind you know the cam the Instagram camera tonight, and uh, you know, much like the last conversation, you know, we had a cameraman that had never killed a turkey, so similar situation. But I was thinking, you know. Maybe tonight, just break it down, you know, really specifically. I even get down into to certain situations, even situations that I've experienced where I'm still kind of foggy as to what exactly went wrong, what I should have done differently. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> well, one thing about turkeys, there, there's no absolutes. <laughs> you know, and that's the frustrating part. Yeah. Like, if I, and I'm the type of person, if you can show me that I've done something wrong, I'll, I'll change it right then. But with this one, it's more like it could be wrong today, it could be right today. That's it. That's it. There's, there only, there's only a, there's a loose set of rules with turkeys that, that, that can be broken from time to time. So, I'm just going to throw one out while it's on my mind. I was hunting, actually, Kobe's brother, Jalen. We were. Oh, hey, Jalen. <laughs> Jalen logged into Instagram, I guess. So, Jalen and I, we were turkey hunting. Uh, it was actually last year. And I've got a, a little piece of property up the road here. You you probably drive by a couple of times a week. Uh, not a huge piece of property, but it seems to always have at least a bird on it. Last year, we're over there. And uh, we had gone to another piece of property that I had and hit this one on the way back, you know, just for shits and giggles. I think it was like 1 o'clock in the afternoon. We go to this one certain spot, and he hits his call, right? And just immediately, this gobbler sounds off. You know, and it's like, holy shit. You know, shit just got real. Because we wasn't expecting anything. You know, it was one of those moments, you know. So, we're up above up above it on this ridge. And I'm guessing just by the sound of it, it was probably 75 to 100 yards from us. There was a ditch. Um... Uh, maybe even call it a creek but it was in between us we're 75 yards or so up the ridge from it what do you do when you know he's sounding off just about every time you hit but that gap doesn't close in that situation well he do you know where he was was he in the field or is he no he in the woods also he was in the woods also imagine like two two ridges and he was at the bottom and there was a ditch in between us and him yeah, he was probably hung up at that ditch. I've seen them uh, fence rows, ditch, a road. Yeah, they'll just they'll hang up and, and sit there and gobble all day. Sometimes, unless you can get them to break, you just gotta you gotta kind of try to pique their interest, kind of take their temperature and see. Oh, he was fired. That and that that might have been. We were thinking that he was hung up. In. You know, I know there's right decisions, wrong decisions. Sometimes it's neither. You know, sometimes nothing's going to work out. But we opted to try to, you know, get around and come back on the other side. 
The only thing that I can think, because at some point, I mean, he was fired up just like every time. And then at some point, like it was just silence. The only thing I can think was that is his, at his angle, he was able to spot some movement when we were right. trying to cut up and back around. Right. Yeah. And, and to get one fired up after lunch, that's the ones you want to get. Well, they're, they're easier to kill, seems like. And at this time, I hadn't killed a turkey. You know, right. Jalen had, and he was he was calling for me. You know, so you know, at that point, that was probably the like the closest that I had well, come to killing well, my. You had the right idea of just trying to you, you got to find where he's comfortable with going, and and try to try to move around. You know, sometimes you got to move your setup three, four, or five times. But we we could have sat there and just done that back and forth for. Do you, is there a reason why those things hang them up? I don't know if they. It's almost like sometimes they got the one track mind, and they just hit that. They hit that barrier and don't want to cross. And sometimes they'll fly a fence or a river. And I've, and and I've heard and people knock, talk about and stuff knock you like down, that. But it, it's they're, they're turkeys. Uh, and you know. not only ditches, but just the the smallest the smallest hurdle. And it's hard to to wrap your mind around why that of all things when they cross stuff like that mm-hmm. all day every day. Mm-hmm. It's. Uh, if I knew, I'd have killed a lot more turkeys. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I guess backing up, it, that was one that I just want to get out there because it was one that I experienced. And, you know, it, and that's more, honestly part of the fun of turkey hunting is that sometimes it just leaves you perplexed. Oh, it does. It does. And more, more times than not. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But that, the, the chess match in, you know, just being able to, like, dig in and actually, uh, be able to predict a situation, but those moments where it doesn't work out, like that, to me, that is the fun of it. Yeah, that, like, that, that's what teaches you. Yeah. That's what teaches you how, uh, how to get more pissed off and when you, next uh-huh. time you go and, and they, they hand it to you again. But uh. oh, I was telling somebody <laughs> the other day, for the first two years of turkey hunting, I did don't get me wrong, I liked, I like being outside, you know, and I love spending time with, you know, friends and stuff doing it. But the first couple of years, uh, for the most part, it was not fun. Oh, yeah. It's work. Oh, dude. It's work. At one point, honestly, the only reason I kept going was because I was just stubborn. I I didn't even... (laughs) And I love it now. Don't get me wrong. But at one point, my mindset was, as soon as I kill a damn turkey, I'm done. (laughs) But once you do it, you're like, God, I want to do that again. Yeah. Yeah, and it, they, they teach you. The turkeys will teach you. And it helps if you've got somebody that's a, a good seasoned hunter to learn from. I didn't. I, I was self-taught. Well, that's why we're know. doing this. You know, yeah. I know there's a lot of people out there that think about it, but it is daunting, you know, to yeah. go out and start from scratch. Luckily, you know, I had people around me that could introduce me to it. But when I, you know, back the first time we connected, when I talked about you coming back, that's what I had in mind, like, if somebody's listening that, that doesn't have that person that's turkey hunted all their life or they're just starting from scratch, it looks like fun. I just wanted to have that type of conversation. Yeah. Right, right, right. Well, and I guess backing up from even where we were at as far as the situation, for preseason, what are some things that you can do to help you be ready come opening day? I really, more so than learning the turkeys, because right now they're grouped up. You know, they're all, and they're just starting to split up they're going to change their habitat somewhat in the next couple, three weeks. 
So it's kind of hard. You need to listen and locate a few gobblers. But really you need to get out. Having an intimate knowledge of your property is by far the most important thing. I mean, as far as knowing, you know, where this road goes, is there a tree down in this road that he's going to hang it? Hit that tree, go around, you know, and and ha- having a, a general idea of their paths they take because it's go- it's easier to call a turkey to where he's normally going to go than it is to you know call him through a thicket upside of a ridge. You so know? you're doing, and that's honestly another layer that I haven't even thought about as far as like if you're hunting turkeys in the traditional sense. Now anybody, yeah. anybody can go out in the field, throw up some decoys, and and try to call a turkey in, and sometimes they will. Right, but, but to really you know, learn the turkeys and, and learn to kill them in the old way. You know, it's it's good to knowing your land and your setup. That's that's key. Gotcha. That's probably eighty five percent of it. The other ten's calling, and the other five is luck. <laughs> yeah, well, and uh, my brother in law, one of your buddies, uh, Chris, he was telling me about a gentleman that lives up the road that's killed a lot of turkey, and he has a, a bit of a reputation around here for turkey hunting, but. Chris will tell you that he can't, you know, really call for anything. Right, he just really right. understands how the turkey travel. I mean, being a good caller will will help you in some situations, but if you can cluck and yelp a little bit, that's all. That's all you. The, some of the worst calls I've heard in the woods were hens. <laughs> <laughs> I can remember uh, me and my uncle Steve were <clears throat> hunting a management area, and I know we were a couple miles deep in this thing. And we heard this hen that was just yawk, yawk, yawk. I mean, it was terrible. And in my mind, I'm thinking, you know, this is this is some dude that slipped all the way back here on us. I said, well, hell, we'll just sit down and just see if we call him in. And here come this hen just making these awfulest Walmart-sounding box really? call yelps that you've ever heard. That's you probably know. the only reason I've been successful. Yeah, if you hear a good <laughs> yelp, and a lot of times it's probably a person. <laughs> but, that, but that makes me, that honestly does make me feel a little better, yeah. you know, because. Yeah, you know, yeah. woodsmanship kills turkeys. I mean, knowing, knowing, your, knowing the land and, and having an intimate knowledge of the land so makes a big difference. Our opener this year here in Georgia is March 20th. We're less than two weeks away from it. It's, uh, oh, yeah, you probably tell me to the minute. So let's say that tomorrow you went out just to listen and, you know, you heard one sound off and pinpointed where he's at. I'm sure that that helps with opening day, but what are the odds that you can count on that bird being, you know, in that vicinity 10 days from now? I used to think that... Uh, you, the same turkey would kind of roost in the same spot. But you hear a lot of these biologists talk like uh, Dr. Mike Chamberlain. I listen to him a lot. You've listened to some of his podcasts that he's, he's been on. Uh, he, he's he's radio, radio collar turkeys and studied them. And he says that there's, there's and I kind of tend to believe that because, you know, one day that turkey will act one way, the next day it'll be different. Yeah. But he, he's saying those roost areas are a common factor. One turkey will move out, another turkey will roost in that same area. It's not even the same bird. So, so you hear a bird sound off, you go back 10 days later, it may not even be that same bird, but odds are that area is still going to hold one. Yeah, yeah. But And, and over the years, I, I've got, you know, several areas that I, there's always a turkey gobbling there, usually. Yeah. 
and it, and then it holds true just about every year, unless you know uh, the the land changes or the foliage or uh, the timber cut or something. You know, it might change it a little bit. Gotcha. Okay, so let's say you know you go out tomorrow and you hear one sound off in a particular area, and following that gentleman's advice, you're like, okay, likely going to hold a bird ten days from now. You go back opening day that morning, crickets. You know, you don't you don't hear anything sound off. What is your approach the rest of the day? Uh, if I know another area that I can get to pretty quick, you know, you, you, you got about anywhere from 15 to 30 minutes on average when he starts gobbling to when he's probably going to fly down. So maybe got, we can break that. You got that little window. And that's where I, where I was going with it. As far as that window, let's say that – you have let's say that you have two two areas that you can potentially turkey hunt. You pick one that morning you go and you don't hear anything. How where do you draw that line as far as now's the time to go to that other place and listen? I tell you what I'll do is you know first thing in the morning you you're going to hear uh, whippoorwills and and uh, a little later in the morning you're going to hear owls and that's when usually the turkeys are going to wake up. And and the, the Tweety birds will wake up. <clears throat> and usually when I hear a crow, if I heard a crow and haven't heard a gobble. Pretty good indication. I, I might get a little desperate and make a few uh, hoots or might do a little few little tree yelps just to see if I can pull something, a gobble out of something. And if the crows start going good, I'll move. Okay. And of course, it, you might be hard-pressed to find one in the tree, but, I mean, it, it's still possible. So... Let's say that you don't have two areas to hunt. You did hear a gobble 10 days earlier. You're in that vicinity opening day and you don't hear anything. Like, what's, where's your mind at the rest of that morning? You're out there. You, you know you've heard something there before. You hadn't heard anything sound off that morning. That's the only place that you've got to go. How are you approaching the rest of that morning? Well, if you, it depends on how much land you got. I mean, if you just got the one, if you got plenty of acres, what would be plenty of acres? Uh, Six hundred or more, eight hundred. I don't have plenty of acres. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> if, if he's within, you know, you know, what a hundred acres, fifty acres, you're probably going to hear him. Yeah. You know, if he's around, and if not, I I go trolling. I just try to locate. So one. if you don't hear him sound off, like there's a good in like that alone. If he's there, you're going to hear him for the most part. Well, I don't. That, sometimes they don't gobble. I mean, that, I, and that's what I was. That's where I was going. I, with. I have sat down, and you know, I, I know there's a turkey there usually. So I'll be honest with you. A lot of these questions that I'm I'm throwing out there for for quote unquote listeners are questions that I've really got. You know, and and that's turkeys. There's no hard set, you know, absolutes. Yeah. You know, I've I've done that and just you know didn't feel like going walking and just sit down and. And call in a bird, silent. You know, one comes sneaking in. No gobbles, nothing. That know. helps me zero. <laughs> <laughs> that's turkeys. That's, that's what keeps you coming back. Dude, you know. it really is. And I'll be honest with you. You know, I'm, I don't think there'll be ever anything to... to I love white, white-tailed deer hunting. I always have, always will. I don't think it'll ever, you know, completely take over. But I'll be honest with you. I was like really, really, really looking forward to turkey season this year. Like I, it, 
almost like deer season. I, I absolutely once you want, and I, I guess it's like most of anything. Once you get a little confidence about something and get a little bit of comfortability, you know. Um, but having taken a couple of birds last year, obviously that doesn't guarantee anything this year. But to be able to do that and you know not have spent you know a ton of time you know calling and hunting like yourself it's really motivating like it makes you want to go it it wants it wants you to prove that the first time the first season wasn't a fluke right you know like you can do it again well but it it comes in cycles yeah you know year before last i took uh i took my son took a couple buddies out in the morning i didn't even actually i never hunted for the first six eight hunts i went on but the the next three hunts i hunted, hunted by myself and i killed a bird three consecutive hunts i was on top of the world oh yeah and then we went out west to kill miriams and the next year i didn't kill a turkey <laughs> till the, the last you know two weeks of the season it really was, it was it, 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 it'll come back around it was, some years you they'll run into your gun barrel and knock themselves out you know and then some years they're just hard to Hard to get on. Of course, it, that's that's Georgia too, though. It's <laughs> it is weird. Like the um, the times that I had gone before this past season, and we'd had multiple close calls and stuff. But I'll be honest with you. At some point, which we were hunting a lot of public land uh, in you know different areas where we knew we were going to spend a lot of time on foot. It was running gun, and you know let's cover as much ground as we can type type of turkey hunting but at one point i'm thinking how the hell does anybody kill a kill a turkey you know <laughs> it gets that way and and, and it, it, with deer hunting you know if you've got a good 40 acre track you know you can hunt that all year absolutely you know no problem turkeys no unless you've got just the absolute perfect 40 acres so with deer and, and, I, and around here <laughs> it's hard to get big tracks of land for a lease you know, oh yeah that was you, tough and to really co- consistently kill turkeys you better you get schooled on public land too you know? yeah unless you're down south somewhere you know there's plenty of leases and stuff down there but. yeah and that's as far as like it's totally different if you're hunting a piece of property that holds turkey like you've had if, if you have access to that more so as having to hoof it on public land but as far as and I don't know, you know, how averse you are, you know, to the activity of turkey. I know deer will go in cycles, you know, and cover a, a wide range of area. And I know turkey has to do the same thing as far as like food and stuff. As far as like a, a radius for a flock of turkey, do you have any idea what that looks like? It depends on the season. I know it, during the spring they'll split up, branch off, and you might have a property that don't have no turkeys early in the season, later in the season, as they break up and split up, you know, your property might hold turkeys, you know, later on. Yeah. For, let's say that you, let's say that you have some property, um, and you want to make it conducive for attracting turkey. What's some things that you can do that, where you can provide an environment that turkey, you know, not only attracted to, but thrive in? Um, you know, they, they like the little the little open plots, the open areas. They like the open hardwoods. You know, they they don't like the thickets. Uh, and of course, it, it's just your regular plots. Of course, you, you don't have to be a specific 
you know, as, as far as what you plant, because they're they'll eat you know just about anything, because uh, it's <clears throat> clover and uh, they, they like shufa. Uh, they, they call that turkey crack. <laughs> what is shufa? <laughs> it's a uh, it's like almost like a little like a peanut that grows on the bottom. It's at the bottom of a of a grass, and they'll they'll dig those little shufa shoots up and eat them, and they will just obliterate an area. So you plant shufa. Yeah, shufa. That it helps. I've never heard of shufa. Check it out. It's expensive, but it's, it works good. Do you know how to spell it? C H U F A, I believe. Yeah. <laughs> okay. no, but I've never heard of shufa. Yeah. So it does. Does it actually break the ground, or do they dig it up from underneath? The yeah, ground? They, they dig the bulbs. It's like a grass, and they dig the bulbs up. Gotcha. As long as you don't have hog, now hogs will obliterate it if you got if they find it. But uh, <clears throat> of course, I've never planted much of it. Usually, I, I hunt a lot of public land. But okay, so. As far as any type of situation, let's say you've you've gone out in the morning, you didn't hear a gobble. Um, we're at midday. You know what? Your what is your strategy approaching a midday turkey hunt when you've not heard anything all day long? I want to cover some ground and just try to no try, try to locate one. So okay, so walk me through that process. Yeah, find an area, find a ridge, a roadbed. Uh, I'll walk and, and call every 100, 200 yards, depending now, on the... When you're calling, what does that look like? <clears throat> Usually I'll call soft at first, that just in case... Just a few yelps. Yeah, just in case there's one uh, close, you don't want to blow his head off. And then I'll kind of progressively get louder, and, and, and I'll sit there for a few minutes too, because sometimes it might take him a few minutes to kind of gobble back. Oh yeah, dude! I can't tell you how many times. Oh, and always, <clears throat> always, when you stop to call, pick somewhere to sit. Yeah. Don't just stop middle of a field and call. I wish we'd talk two every years time ago. You, <laughs> every time you do it, one will gobble about seventy-five yards, and you got nowhere to go. Well, <clears throat> and so much of it has just been learning as as we've gone, right. you know. Right. Um, but there's been multiple situations like that to where. Uh, we'll we got a lot of a lot of mountains around here, and uh, we'll drive and then you know step out and make a couple of calls or whatnot, and then you know if we hear something you know go after it or but there's been so many times we'll step out with no real game plan as far as like where to sit, <laughs> and then we'll hit a call. And in the past, I've learned from these lessons is what I'm saying. But in the past, we we would just step out like park the car or truck or whatever. Part of the truck, Jeep, hop out, hit a couple of calls. If we heard something, go after it. If we didn't, we would just get back in and go to the next spot. Couldn't tell you how many times on the way back to the truck or the Jeep, we run into a turkey. Yeah. That yeah, was yeah. quiet. Didn't, you know, nothing. But there we were. Right. You know? And that, to me, that's the toughest part is having the discipline to call and then just hang out for a little bit. Well, and another strategy is kind of to walk fast paced down a down a ridge line, calling every so often, and creep back. Walk very slow back down your come back your path that that you went down the ridge, uh, and, and kind of just listen. That's a pretty good tip, yeah, right listen there. Listen for footsteps, scratching. You know. Well, and there's, I'm telling all the times that we've messed up is basically what I'm doing, <laughs> but. Hey, driving around calling works, but 
I mean, I've, I've killed a turkey or two just out of the truck. But you'll get on more when you're on 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 foot than you will uh, just just driving around calling. Of course, and later on in the season, those turkeys kind of get privy to uh, the calls coming from the road. Dude, <laughs> if you're calling from the opposite side of the road, your chances are exponentially better usually. There have been so many moments in the last three years. Where and me and my cousin hunt together predominantly because he was hell bent on getting me my first turkey, which which finally happened. But I could not tell you how many times we would we would go out, we would hoof it, you know, we would walk miles. I mean, we we really did work. Like I hated almost every minute of it, <laughs> but I mean, I really did. I love it. I just love being out there. But couldn't tell you how many times. On the way back to the vehicle, you know, just as we're walking, just, you know, messing around, practicing calls and stuff, where we would run into a turkey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it's and, sickening. And a lot, a lot of the old timers would say, if you ever call and he gobbles back to you, he'll come back to that spot. It might be four or five hours later. But I say, he'll, he'll come back. He knows exactly where you are when you call. So he, if you he, had the patience. He, he could fly and light on your head if he really wanted to. Really, that precise. What, what, I tend to believe it. Is it? So if you're, if you, let's go back to the one that we were on the ridge. We hit that one. He gets hung up. If we have the patience to hang out, there's a chance we get that bird yeah. five hours from. If he don't bust you coming in, yeah, you know it, it's possible. Well, just last year, I was working. A, uh, I think it was four. It was. Uh, I don't know if it was opening opening morning. It was on a club I was on. <clears throat> I'm working these turkeys, and they're just, they're probably 150 yards away, two ridges over. They're gobbling good. And some guy walks up behind me. Did you hear those turkeys? <laughs> yeah, dude, I did. You know? <laughs> anyway, it kind of spoiled that. Well, Where I were you at? Um, I, close to the Carter's Dam. I was okay. on the police down there. Uh, so I get up and get in my car and drive it to the other side of the property. And, uh, Coming back, I mean, I, I I was set up 15 yards off of the road, and, and that's first thing in the morning. I, mean, I had a hen just giving it hell behind me during all that. And she showed up, and I was like, what happened? And then he walked up. So that, that was what happened. But when I come back through that <clears throat> that evening, it was probably about 1230, so it was a good three or four hours later. Two toms standing in the road, not... 25 foot from the tree I was oh, wow. sitting against. That would that would make me believe that theory. Yeah. So, you go out, and I'm going to back it up again. Okay, you go out in the morning, crickets. You go out for the afternoon hunt, nothing. What is your approach for an evening hunt? Evenings are kind of slow. Uh, you want to get, get closer to the roost areas and try to Try to strike one up. It's hard to turn a turkey. Post, so post three or four o'clock. That's a good point, though. So let's say that you found you have found a bona fide roost area. Every time you've checked it out, you've heard a bird sound off. There's you know tons of droppings. Like you know you found a roost area. On an evening hunt, you know, you, you can you want to say you can bank on that. If you've located an area like that, what is your strategy? You, you, you want to move in. You want to call very lightly, maybe just 
plucks and purrs, scratching the leaves. You don't want to get real aggressive. Unless one fires off. Now, yeah. if one fires off in the evening and gets hot, he's easy to kill usually. But but you, you want to be light in your calling and get don't don't you know, you don't want to sit right in the rooster area. You want to, you know, back off of it some. How far would you back off of it? Hundred yards, a couple hundred yards, you want to kinda of maybe find a path that they would walk. You know, a, a, a turkey kinda of will he'll walk where a man would walk through okay. the woods. You know, they like the open areas that they tend to go up seem to go they'll go up and down a hill a little more than, than a man would, but I might have back off a little bit. I might have actually gotten ahead of myself. So, as far as roost areas, what are some of the identifiers when you're looking for that type of area? What What are some of the things that you're looking for when you're looking for a roost area? Well, around here we got so many trees; it's hard to. They won't roost in the same tree. They might roost in the same five acre area. But uh, a lot of times, Tom's, they want to gobble where they get maximum sound projection. Oh, yeah. You know, like uh, the, the, head of a, the head of a draw, you know, where they can, they can see good and they can gobble off and they can really carry. There's a lot of times where, where the, or, or ridge heads too, and, it, and a lot of times that's around water. I have heard different ones say that, that they, they like for whatever reason, I don't know, being like in, uh, close to water, close to swamps, and like you'll usually find a lot of droppings around those areas. Yeah, yeah. Whatever reason, I don't know. Yeah, if I'm going in somewhere blind, if I'm looking at a topo, you, you're going to find the, I want to find the high point around a creek to listen and just go from there. Yeah, that's, so there was this past season, which I was actually deer hunting, and I was, dude, I'll be honest with you, it was one of the, the best experiences I've ever had hunting. I, it was just incredible. I wish to goodness I I had been videoing, but I was in this uh, shooting house, right? But it was right on a swamp, and it was an area that I knew uh, had held turkey. You know, as far as like roosting at different times during the spring, you know. But I was sitting there, and it was just after daybreak, and I, you know, I started hearing some chirping back behind my left shoulder. And this, the shooting house, I'm probably. 20 maybe 25 feet off the ground uh somewhere around there but i start hearing this and then all of a sudden there's five toms they fly literally eye level with me in this shooting house i swear to you anthony if i reached out of the blind i could have grabbed one or touched one you know but all five of them come down and their eye level fly right in front of me and you know, they, they end up landing probably 50, 60 yards to my right. You know, I was kind of on a power line situation. But to see all five of those times, it, it was like a fleet of, you know, <laughs> blue angels or something. It was one of the best things that I've ever experienced yeah, in the they're woods. So, they're so sleek. Dude, yeah, it, was, yeah. it was incredible. Yeah. Like, uh, I'm, I'm getting giddy about it. It and was just uh, one of those moments. It was one of those moments where you're like, I am so glad that I rolled out of bed to be here. Right, right, and, and they, uh, you know, they really cut the wind when they fly too. You know the, the, uh, the that size of a bird going through the air. It was incredible. Talk about hunting a roost area. I, uh, I had this this old asshole bird that I kept having trouble out of, and I thought I'm I'm going to slip into his roost and I'm going to pop him. You know when he flies up, 
So I, I slip into the area and <clears throat> sit there. And it, it's about dark in the tree, in the trees, and it's still a little light out on the road. I didn't hear nothing all evening. And when I went back, the, the road's not 150 yards from where they roost right there. And I got back to the truck, and I was taking my vest and stuff off and unloading my gun. And I hear a I thought it was, I, I literally ducked. I thought it was a missile. <laughs> that bird, he just he pitched off the top of the ridge, and he just eased down, and he flew right in the damn tree I was sitting against. You know? Really? And, yeah, he did. Did uh, you end up taking him? No, no, I didn't. I don't want to roost shoot him. So. <laughs> well, I didn't know that he was actually in the tree. Yeah, yeah, he, 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 he lit in the tree. You know, he didn't fly up. A lot of times, they'll just kind of pitch off and, you know, exert less energy just gliding into the tree as opposed to flying straight up did he of course it's a steep mountain did he spook when you got out of like how'd you get out of there oh no i was at the car oh i got you put my stuff in the car and he was up way up on the ridge and he just he glided down over my head oh that's awesome and he was you know he's just kind of like you in the box stand he wasn't far over my head and i heard the the wind cutting off of his wings just (sighs) and i I literally ducked because i thought uh, something was about to that thing uh Dinosaurs about to run off with me or something. Dude, I'll be honest with you. This Crown Royal Reserve is, uh, it might be getting to me a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) That's good stuff. It's good to see you. Oh, yeah. I appreciate you coming by. That, as far as like the whole pro, and I think that's one of the reasons I enjoy it so much is that it's something new that, you know, their nature, obviously there's, there's deer hunting, but turkey hunting i mean obviously it's a totally different animal but it's like a totally different game that you gotta learn oh yeah and that's that's one of the things that i've enjoyed so much about it because you think about this bird it's got the brain size of a marble okay so it's it's not it's not walking around with 150 iq but at the same time it is incredibly elusive it isn't it is no like there's no guarantee I think well, people give them more credit, I think, than than they deserve on their smart. I, I think they're more instinctual than a, a deer is more curious. Yeah. So to speak. Then I think I think a turkey just reacts. You know, he just something's out of place, he's he's gone, you know. Yeah. Well let's say You've you've gone out in the morning. You've not heard anything. You've gone out in the afternoon. Let's say it's early afternoon, and and honestly, part of it is just me not knowing, you know, exactly what the activity looks like at different intervals. So you're going out early afternoon. You haven't heard anything all day long. This is you're only. Let's say you got 500 acres that you're hunting. Early afternoon, are you still running and gunning? Like, what are you doing to try to? Because there's, it's a little, and that's one of the things that I love about it. As far as you know, compared to deer hunting, you can take the the position of going in and making something happen. Right, right. I I, I don't hunt a whole lot in the evenings. I don't like to just sit. You do a lot more sitting in the evenings and more softer. It's just a slower paced. Not as uh, not as action packed as the morning hunts, dude. That going out in the morning, I I I remember the exact 
location where, and I, and I think we talked about it on the very first podcast, when I heard the the first gobble in the morning. Like, we had gone out multiple times and nothing, you know, which, again, we're hunting public property most of the time. But we go out this this one morning, and I could probably take you within 10 feet of where we were standing when it happened. But we're out there, and uh, Jalen, Kobe's brother, you know, video man over there, hits the call, and Gobbler sounds off. That moment, my... I know both my eyes got big as saucers. Like, oh my, like, and that's when it hit me. This is happening. Like, this is, you know, this is why we're out here. But to experience that, nothing like it. Oh, yeah. It'll, Absolutely nothing it'll like it. will turn your day around. <laughs> Dude, well, in yeah. that one, and I think that's a, another, probably another good point to uh, touch on. It's one thing to hear a gobbler. It's another thing to get to him before a hen does. Right. And I think that's the frustrating part about turkey. So with deer hunting, it's a little different. You know, we've got horned deer scents. We're, we're attracting deer to that scent. Whereas with, with turkey, the hens are actually going to the gobbler. Right. I'll be honest with you. If, if reincarnation is a thing, I want to come back as a gobbler <laughs> and just have hens coming to me. But that's one of the things that makes it so difficult. You have to get to that bird before a real hen does. Right, right. And uh, well, you can you can call to them when they get hens. You just you just got to change your tactics a little bit. So how do you approach that? Uh, you kind of see what the hen's doing. A lot of times, it's try to make her mad. So you so, and that's a good. I guess that's a that's a good point. If he's with a hen, you more target the hen than you do him yes. at that point. Yes, uh, yeah. It, it, if she's vocal, I'll try to copy her. And a lot of times, I've heard different people say that. Yeah. Whatever she does, you do the same thing. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of times, that that's that's plenty good enough. You can get her to bring him in tow. That actually happened to me last year. Um, I was so I killed my first two gobblers last year. Uh, the second one, I had put a couple of decoys out, and um, I was I was sitting there. I had this ground blind. It's got four walls, but the top was out of it, you know. But I was sitting there, and it was an after it was an afternoon hunt, you know. I had my decoys out there. I really didn't have anything better to do, and hell, it's turkey season. So I was out there, and I need all the practice that I can get as far as like with calls and stuff. And lo and behold, two two jakes actually came out and uh, you know inspected my decoys and then ultimately moved on. Well, a little while later, I had told my wife that night that I would come out at five o'clock and go pick up dinner. She had you know something that she wanted to eat that night, and yeah, I'm a good husband. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I told her at five o'clock I would come out. If five o'clock rolls around, I step out to get my decoys and I look over and the two jakes that I had caught out earlier, they're 60 yards from me. The grass was a little high. Luckily, both of their heads were down. So I quickly jumped back into blind and it was more just to try to, to experiment with my calling, you know? So they worked their way back in, out in the field and I'm, you know, I'm scratching the slate claw or the, the slate call and 
trying to get some type of reaction, you know. All of a sudden, I hear a hen behind me chirping back. I'm like, oh, shit, you know, <laughs> I'm doing something. So going back to what you said as far as mimicking whatever the hen did, whatever she would do, you know, I would mimic it. And that's the cool part about turkey hunting, too. Like, you're communicating with this bird. Yeah. You know, like, it's it's interactive. So if I had never seen a gobbler anything, the fact that I'm talking to this hen, I mean, it's just really, really cool. She's chirping back. I'm chirping back. Next thing I know, I'm sitting there, and I hear this sound behind me. It's like, just, just. And you got to understand, I'd never experienced a turkey drumming at this point. Okay? So I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden, not only am I hearing it, I'm feeling it. And I'm like, what the hell? You know? Like, it literally, if you could... If you could imagine a UFO landing behind you, that's kind of what it felt like, you know? It's hard to position where it's at, too, and you can't pinpoint it. Dude, yeah. hey, it was one of the weirdest, for a minute, before I realized what it was, it was one of the most perplexing moments of my life. I'm sitting there thinking, what the hell is that? And then it hit me. It's drumming. That is a gobbler drumming. It was literally, couldn't have been more than 10, 15 feet behind me. You know, that moment, forever hooked. Oh, yeah. Forever hooked. Like, it's hard to put into words when you're that close to one drumming exactly what that not only sounds like, but what it feels like. Yeah, it, uh, it gets my heart pumping just thinking about it. Oh, yeah, when, I'm when giddy. They're, when they're that close. It, and eventually, so I wound up getting the bird, but it all started with a hen being pissed off, going back to your earlier point. And, and that's the thing. I accidentally called that gobbler in. You're talking about talking to hens, you know, which is what I was doing just because I was trying to practice. I wasn't approaching that as a strategy, which is a very good strategy, evidently. But in that moment, it's just another bird's talking to me. You're talking back, and then you find out a gobbler's with her, and it's like game and, on. And you can kind of take you t take the hen's temperature too, just like you do with a gobbler. And sometimes you can get too aggressive, and if she's not a, a boss hen, she might tow him away. Yeah. If she doesn't want a, you know, confrontation. But it's all it's the turkeys. It's touch and go. So if she's a boss hen. She basically gonna come in and inspect what's going on. Right. Right. I remember I had one, we had a bird gobbling, and we got pretty close to him on the roost. And that's the most yelping I've ever heard out of a hen. But I could hear her coming down the road, and she would yelp 25 yelps in a row. Just yep, 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 yep. And never stopped. And she took that gobbler away, and <clears throat> we circled around, and went to another area, and wound up meeting back up with that group of turkeys about 10 o'clock. And the same deal. She just started, yep, 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 yep. And I remember I was yelping back to her, and I was it was physically making me tired trying to copy <laughs> all the yelps she was doing. <laughs> but it, it finally got her, she came into probably 15 feet of me looking looking for that hen. She was pissed off. And luckily, both of those birds came in, and we killed one of them that day, but. It is like when you start, you know, and you see dominant does as well, deer hunting. 
you know, there there's some does that they're more on their game than a four year old buck would be. You know, like they show up into a food plot or you know whatever just by their body posture, you realize this is a bad bitch. You know, and I guess it makes sense on the the as far as turkey hunting as well. You have those territorial dominating birds you know when they hear another woman encroaching on their turf they're going to want to inspect that and say what's up right and that's what and, and you know the decoys too that's the same with the using the decoy uh getting a boss bird in and it'll it'll, it'll scare some turkeys off using decoys do you they, use a lot of decoys i don't I, some i take the kids maybe just to pull a little bit of uh Motion if they move, you know, to to help keep keep the turkey's attention drawn drawn away from the kids. So, so what what is what does your approach look like? Um, well, on a typical hunt, it's just me and the gun and a call. I like to hunt the woods a good bit. Now, if I'm hunting fields or something, you know, I might tow the hen decoy, but it's very very rarely. So you're you're going into the woods. I'm guessing mostly probably mountainous around here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then so you're going out. And this is honestly more for me as well because I live at the foot of the mountains that you know you spend a lot of time in. When you locate a bird in the mountains, do you prefer being above or below that bird? Ideally, you want to be on the same ridge and above if you can pick. Of course, you know everything's not ideal, but it uh, uh, seems like you can call them in the mountainous areas. You might can call them a little more so than you could in the flat land through and around stuff but ideally you want to be same ridge above but i mean uh, you can call them downhill it's not as likely but it is possible <laughs> i've heard people say that it really is hard to get them to come downhill it's a lot easier like you if you if you could pick you would always rather be above the bird either i feel like they probably they bust you a lot easier whenever they're, they've got a better view that makes sense of, of you to where if they're coming up to you you, you get a little more advantage on uh, on your movement there so back behind the house here we're at the foot of the Cahuta wilderness when let's say preseason right now what could i be doing as far as like the terrain and everything behind me where do you go or do you, or is it just one of those where you just pick spots? Like there's, there's no, you know, specific recipe so much as you're just testing different spots. Yeah. Well, if you're preseason, just find sign. Yeah. You know, just just find scratching tracks, and and try to learn those areas. So okay, and I'm gonna back it up even a little more from that. Explain. So when you're looking for scratching and sign of turkey for somebody that might know exactly what that looks like, what are you looking for? Um, I, just you know, an area might be a, a foot square, might be three foot, three foot circular area where they'll scratch the leaves back down to the uh, down to the dirt, and and you, you can tell by the moisture how fresh it is. If it's you know if it's glazed back over dry, you know it's few days couple weeks old but if it if you can still see you know fresh uh dirt well it, it's, it's pretty, you can tell it when if it's been there not very long and that goes back to like the cycle is it better if it's if it's fresher or 
you know, because I know they move in different areas. You know, are you looking for extremely fresh, or are you looking for something that's? Oh yeah, you way? want extremely fresh because they, you know, they can move around. Uh, and in winter times, when they're flocked up, they're going to scratch up a big area. Yeah. You know, being flocked together, uh, and a lot of times too, you can watch for the pile of leaves. Like say, you, you find some scratching, and those leaves are piled on one side. That means that turkey's probably going that way because he's scratching. Gotcha. In this area, when he's walking that same direction. It. I don't want to forget, you know, before we go any further, you know, obviously, uh, we'll, we will forever be connected because my wife gave me one of your turkey calls for my wedding gift. <laughs> so we're all, we're forever connected. Yeah, I've got a, a beautiful trumpet call sitting right here that you made. It's absolutely ridiculous. Um, but for somebody starting out, if knowing what you know now, if you had decided right now to get into turkey hunting, what are you putting in your bag or backpack before you strike out into the woods? Uh, I what whatever call you're most confident with, as far as tur- as far as a call goes. If you were going to start learning a call, where would you start? <laughs> Probably a box or a slate call. You know, they're the, some of the easiest. Or the little little push buttons are the easiest. Dude, there's a a couple of push buttons that even now, yeah, I would love to add to the arsenal. You know, because I'm still very much a beginner. But uh, as far as the different, I guess pieces of of equipment outside of a turkey call. What else are you taking into the woods? Thermosail. I'd rather leave my gun at home as a thermosail. <laughs> hey, hey, cheers. <laughs> no joke. That's, uh, I'll be honest with you. That may be one of, if not the best technologically advanced uh, breakthrough in the last 20 years. Yes. It's amazing. Yes. I remember the first time I used one, uh, the gnats were terrible, and you fire that thing up, and they're in, you know, they're they're in an orb around you. you it, know, it's it, crazy, right? It is, it is. But there are those days where you do forget it, which <laughs> makes you appreciate it. I have mine strapped to my vest, <laughs> and I buy a very very um, liberal supply of, uh, of refills before the season. <laughs> so we've 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 dove in to. You know, situational tips and stuff like that. What are if you could if you could pick your favorite turkey hunt? What would that? Which one would it be? Oh, by far my, my son's first turkey. Tell me about it. Uh, I'd taken him before when he was was smaller, sitting in a blind. You know, he wasn't ready to sit still. But his first run and gun hunt, he was ten, and. When he was five, six, seven, I would take him. And then finally, he, he didn't want to go. And I didn't want to force him. Uh, I remember one one year before the season, he's like, Dad, I want to shoot the shotgun. Okay. You know, I'm, you know I've got all kinds of guns and suppressors. I'm like, well, let's, let's shoot something cool. We didn't, let's shoot the shotgun. Let's shoot, a, you know, shoot the rifle. No, I want to shoot the shotgun. And why do you want to shoot the shotgun? Well, I want a turkey hunt. Oh, okay. Well, we can... We can work with that, so uh, 
We took him out on, on youth weekend. And we set up we set up in the woods. Didn't hear nothing on the roost. <clears throat> and he's over there, you know, he's fiddling with his gloves and he's pulling at his mask. My son, you're gonna he he'd killed a deer, his first deer the, the, the fall before. Oh nice. And uh, I was like, This is not deer hunting, son. You gonna have you have to sit still. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for a turkey. And he was moving around and and we moved a couple of different spots. Finally, we were, we were walking up this roadbed. We were in like a, a, a logging deck, two logging decks on two separate ridges, and it had a road that connected them. And we were kind of in between those decks. And I shot a call, off, a call off down in this draw, and a bird gobbled back. <clears throat> and uh, it hit me with that, too. <laughs> and we uh, got Kobe Light and cigars. Uh, we sit down facing where the turkey. He was like a, he was on the road bed coming towards the first deck, and the, the other deck was kind of behind us. But we, we were sitting on the road connecting them, and we're looking and listening, and, and didn't hear nothing. I thought I heard footsteps behind us. Then I thought I heard what was. In my mind was a squirrel on on a pine tree, just that shh shh shh. Right. But looking back, I think it, I think it was a gobbler spitting, because. So uh, when you say spitting. Whenever they drum, they'll shh. They'll sometimes they'll spit and drum. Like you heard, heard the. I've never heard the term spitting. Uh, it's almost like a shh shh, and then they'll. Really. Yeah, and it, it kind of sounds like somebody raking. Uh, a pine tree. But they're actually making that noise, not with their feet, but internally? Yeah, somehow. I don't know how they, they do it, but... Interesting. But we're... Uh, I hear that behind us, and I ease my head around, I see a turkey on the ridge, and I turn around. I'm looking, I see the turkey go behind a tree. I have him to spin around. Well, he can see down this road... But I'm kind of back in the thick stuff. I can't see nothing. You know, I can't tell him, you know, what to shoot. You know, if it's a hen, I have no idea. Right. So I'm going off this ten-year-old's uh, vision of what's going on. Right. And uh, and uh, I'm, I'm asking him, you know, can you see a turkey? Can you see? Of course, I'm just I'm. Tore oh, it's up. frantic. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I see one. I, I love see it. one. So what, what color is the head? It's uh, <laughs> it's uh. Uh, gray, I think, or is it? Uh, no, it's red. I'm like, look, son, is it is it a hen or a gobbler? I don't, I don't know, Dad. I don't know. <laughs> and finally, oh, there's two of them, and I'm concentrated down the road. Well, these birds have actually worked up onto the ridge across from us as we spun around, and and I was very proud of him because just as soon as that bird gobbled earlier, he was just dead, just dead nuts on that gun. He was, awesome. he wasn't moving a muscle. And I, I sp- I'd spun him back around the other way. And uh, finally, I saw the gobbler up there strutting. And uh, I asked him if he was on him. He said, yeah, he shot. Of course, I, I got up and you know I grabbed a gun. I didn't want him running with a gun. Right. And I, I take off and <laughs> I run up through there. And he's behind me. He gets up there. He says, Dad, I didn't know you could run that fast. Because <laughs> that, that turkey was not going to get away. <laughs> Dude, that's, yeah. those moments 
You can't put a price on that. Oh, you can't. You can't. I was I, I was way more excited than he was. But uh, of course, that was his first hunt. I said, "Look, this does not happen." You yeah. Know, this, uh, I know he's in high school right now, and his mind or uh, it's in a lot of other places. Is he excited about seeing this turkey season come up? He is. Pretty, he's excited about going out of state. Yeah. Um, Where y'all going? Oh, we're going to Texas. Oh, nice. Yeah. Where about Rio's? Um, it's uh, Southwest Texas. I forget the name of the town it's close to, but it's, uh, there's some Rios out there. When y'all headed out? Uh, in April, twenty second, I think. What part of Texas is that? It's uh, it's west of uh, I guess a couple, uh, three or four hours west of Austin. That's that's out there. Yeah, yeah. It's Austin's it's pretty a, far out there. It's a pretty good ride. As far as, okay, we've we've gotten to situational types of uh, advice. If you're looking at striking out this season, you know, this is your first season, you don't have somebody that's hunted turkey all their lives that can mentor you or give you advice. You've heard a podcast, hopefully the Horny Deer Sense podcast, <laughs> and you've decided, I'd like to try my hand at this. Where do you start? Like, for some, and I'm breaking it way back, even even equipment-wise. If somebody's listening to this, and they're like, I think I'd like to try to kill a turkey this year that has never, you know, touched anything related to turkey, what would you tell that person? Probably go on YouTube and watch Dave Owens. <laughs> Dave Owens. Yeah, yeah. Penholdy Project. You ever seen any, any of his stuff? Tell me about Dave Owens. I may have. He won the Grand Nationals turkey calling competition uh, year before last. But uh, he self films his hunts, and they're mostly on public land. He's done the the U.S. Slam. He's killed one in all forty nine states. But he. What do you like most about his approach? Well, he, he he's old school. He, he he goes on public land and he Dave Owens. Dave Owens, yeah. So and just watch Dave hunt when I mean, he goes I, on. I, to, I wish I would have had that kind of resource whenever I was learning. I'll be honest with you, it's been incredible. You know, uh, being able to uh, dabble in turkey hunting and. Yeah, you don't have a ton of people around you, especially nowadays. Yeah. Everybody's pulling yeah. in so many different directions. It's been incredibly <laughs> helpful. What, as far as Dave Owens goes, he's old school. What is your, what do you think of when you think of old school and his approach? Like, what, what does that look like? Well, I mean, you watch the TV shows and they're on a field with a blind with decoys. You know, they kill the turkey and uh, you can do that, but it's... I mean, to be a consistent turkey. Realistically. Yeah. Yeah. Turkey killer. Unless you got, you know, an awesome lease with, uh, you know. So he's doing everything on public acres. property. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. How does he approach a pu- So in his videos, and I'm definitely going to check it out, Dave Owens, how does he approach public property? I just, you know, go get on a, scout it on Onyx or whatever and, uh. Or some kind of topo map. And- that's a good. That, that's actually a pretty good subject. So, I don't know how averse you are in that, but if you're, say, you're looking at on it, what are you looking for on 
something like that if you're looking for an area that might hold turkey. Well, just like we talked about earlier, the uh, finding the water sources, streams, and, uh, and find the high points to listen. And of course, you got to get your feet on the ground and learn, you know, look at look at the land. So if you're going to start on an app like on it or hunt stand or whatever you know app that you use, initially. If you're looking for a roosting area, you're probably looking for water. Is that safe to say? Yeah, yeah. And you and you want to go listen to pinpoint it because it's never going to be. You can't just look at the map. Yeah, yeah. But as far as like it. a starting point, yeah. you want to make sure that there's some type of water relatively close. As far if you're yeah. looking for a roosting area, yeah. If you want to look for a, a steady stream and not just a, a you know a wet weather stream, but a, a solid blue lines, you know. Is there anything that I'm glossing over, anything that I, I've missed that you feel like would help somebody that might be listening to this that, that is potentially even thinking about turkey hunting? Maybe they've, maybe they've got a couple of seasons under their belt. They haven't killed a bird yet. Anything that you experienced that you wish somebody had told you? Uh, you're just the patience. You have to be patient. Oh, that's so yeah. tough. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I mean, but really, I mean... <laughs> Even now, it's it's this tough, you know. You you know why that's hard about turkey? Because you're actually communicating with that bird. Right. You're expecting a right. response. Well, that's what of, makes it a tough. A lot of times, you know, he'll gobble at you, and and then he'll shut up. And you'll sit there for thirty minutes, and well, he's not even, you know, you you get that. What, he's gone. What do you do but, in that situation? Well, when he a lot of times when he comes in, he's he's not going to be gobbling. He's going to be looking. Yeah. So. You don't, so, you don't know if he's coming in or if he's, or if he's left. But it's always good to wait. You know, if you're ready to go, wait five, ten more minutes. And just, you know, just. Let's say you've been communicating with this bird. We don't know what it is, but you've been communicating with this bird. You know, every time you hit a call, it gobbles back. Like, it's, you know, it's just consistent, you know. Then all of a sudden, you don't hear anything. You know, you sit there, maybe you wait 15, 15 minutes or so, you hit another call. You still don't hit anything. Maybe wait 15 minutes more. You still don't hear anything. Then what do you do? Um, well, those, those first 30 or 40 minutes, my eyes are going to be peeled looking for that bird to be sneaking in. So if it's 30 minutes in, you haven't heard anything... You're still you're still in that that mode where any, at any at any second this bird can visualize. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. When do you give up on that? I see you just gotta. It's it's hard to. I know you it. can't put it in the words. I know it. <laughs> you get, I, oh, it's tough. You, you gotta follow your gut. I love it. You gotta follow. Your That's gut. what makes it so great, though. Yeah. You yeah. know. And then you stand up, and there he is over the ridge <laughs> looking at you. <laughs> but, 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 but. <laughs> yeah, no. uh, yeah. Hashtag I've been there. Yeah. A couple of times. More than I would like. But that's the, that's the thing. Like, even when you do everything right, there's still no guarantee. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. There was. So, uh, my cousin, he called for me, you know, for a couple of years. But, but there, were, there were times this last year that I go out, go out by myself. There was this one bird I had up close to Carter's. Um, you know, I had some property that I, that I could hunt up there. Um, but there was this one bird. It was a Jake. It wasn't Gobbler, which makes it, you know, a little easier to uh, accept. 
as far as it not working out. But I went out, you know, kind of mountainous area, and I'm hitting a box call. And, you know, this gobbler comes back. But I set up, and I set up where I think he's going to pop up, up this ridge. Again, it was very mountainous, you know, where I'm set up. And then where I'm looking, he pops up a little to my left of my left shoulder. And then bust, he busts me immediately. But even that experience without having shot that bird, it was incredible. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know? Could you hear him walking at all when he was coming up? Or? No, I couldn't hear yeah. anything. I, I was up above him, and um, I, was on, I was on the other side of the road that kind of split the property. I had set up where I thought he would come up, and he'd come up just a little left of where I was at. And at that point, I hadn't killed a turkey yet, and I was just out, you know, pissed off on my own, <laughs> hell-bent hell on killing a turkey, you know? And I didn't kill that turkey, but he was definitely, you know, he was right there in that radius where I could have gotten a shot off if I had been expecting that. Right. But even, even if, and I think that's one of the things that makes turkey hunting so awesome. I didn't get that bird, but I'll never forget that experience. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, you, you remember the ones you don't get. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it was just really cool. It, it's not... And granted, you can grunt at deer and potentially draw one over, but as far as the actual communication with that bird, and he started a long ways off. And at that point, I had been hunting with my cousin who had been calling the whole time, so I'm, I'm actually calling in that moment. And it didn't you know, actually end up being a successful hunt, but at the same time, it was incredible. The whole experience, just having seen that bird and know that he came there because of something that I was doing. Right. It was incredible. Like it just it makes me it makes me want to be better. Yeah, it's uh, like Tom Kelly says, uh, spring spring turkey hunting is war. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. Now there's in the fact that. That you can do it usually with a buddy, you know, and uh, it's an experience that's shared most of the, most of the time, you know. Especially, I mean, if you want it to be. But you'll find you you'll probably kill you kill the majority of your turkeys when you're by yourself. That's true. <laughs> that's true. But what they call it, the turkey hunting's a one man game. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough though. Cause but it's fun. I, 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 it's so much fun hunting with somebody. Anyway. Yeah. All right. Yeah. It's uh, cause that's the thing. When you both, you experience something deer hunting. You you tell some somebody about it and it's great. But when you're both standing out there at daylight and you hear a gobbler sound off and you look at each other and it's like holy shit, yeah, <laughs> game on. There's nothing like it. Oh yeah. You know, that doesn't happen in deer hunting. Yeah, I can remember it. And I love deer hunting. I mean, my cousin Travis was hunting in Washington County. And, uh, I remember the first time I heard one gobble a long ways off. I was deep in National Forest. And I remember thinking, that, that sounds like a, is that a dog barking? <laughs> but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm in the middle of, uh, you know, 
10,000 acres here. How can I hear a dog? There's no houses for miles. But as he got closer, it was a, it was a, a turkey goblin coming closer to me. Well, fast forward to we were in Washington County, and we hadn't heard much that morning. Couldn't get on nothing, and I heard a bird gobbling. It was way off. It was the same thing. I said, that's, that's a gobble. And he looked at me. Really? Yeah. <laughs> and of course, you get, get, I could tell they cut the distance. They were they were coming. I said, well, yeah. you, you sit down. Sit down now. He's like, I said, yeah, sit down. And we, we killed three in that one sitting. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, so, wait, don't, don't gloss over that. How did that go down? They actually caught them off of another property. I don't know how far away they were, but we're, we're in flat land. I, I don't judge the distance as good in flat land as I do in the mountains, but uh, they they cut the distance. It came in fairly quick. Those two were to get to, together, and another one that came in uh, by himself. And I told him, I said, you know, give him the chance. This was probably two weeks into April, so I'm, I'm going to shoot a double. Look, I, I, I like to shoot one at a time because, you know, you can leave more for next time's hunt. But it was kind of a slow year. I said, I'm going to shoot two. Uh, he's like, well, go ahead. You know, it was his club. Yeah. So these, these birds work in and and they're gobbling and come in. He's, he's got it on video. Uh, those two birds jet in from the side of this food plot and this other bird's back probably 75 yards. Well, they kind of get in competition and they start running towards us. Oh, shit. Well, I line the beat up on two of those birds and I shoot. And in my eye, what I saw, I saw the back bird fly up and then land. I shot again. I said, I didn't hit him good. So we get up and run up there and there's three turkeys down. And luckily, I had three tags. I killed three in one sitting. I and it was it was, the, it was it was the most glorious, most depressing moment because I knew my season was over right there in about but it was great twenty seconds, yeah. you know. <laughs> but we watched the video, and what had actually happened was the back bird when I shot it ran straight into the woods. This bird out to the side flew up, came down. Then I that's hilarious. <laughs> Three birds. Three birds. One, one day. One, one morning. One sit. One sitting. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> but after the hunt, he told me he said, "Man." <clears throat> I'll be honest with you. I thought you was full of shit when you heard that turkey. <laughs> he said that. I, I told myself that is not a turkey. <laughs> that is a, that is a dog. <laughs> so let's uh, before we end. You know, you know what it's like to approach this sport as an adult. You know, you you came into turkey hunting relatively late in life. If you could. And this is for anybody listening that might want to, you know, be thinking about getting into turkey hunting this year. If you if you could give yourself some advice when you were in that place, when you were thinking about getting into this, what would you tell yourself? Uh, don't do it. No, 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 no. It'll kill it's, your time. This is uh, over. <laughs> I don't know. Just read all you can read, and uh, there's a lot more resources now. Uh, and just try to soak up as much knowledge about it as, as you can. So if you were if you were starting right now, it's safe to say that that's where you would start. Like just soaking in YouTube videos, any anything yeah. that you could you could take in 
to help give you an edge when you actually step out there. Yeah, they ain't no. In the old days, you had, you about had to have somebody to pass it down to you, or you had to free, let the turkeys teach you. Yeah, which that's a lot of what I did because I have what you could read, and, and let the turkey the turkeys teach you the rest. So opening morning, let's say March twentieth is your first morning that you've ever turkey hunted. You know, you you decided I'm going to take this challenge on. How do you approach that opening morning? Let's say. You know, maybe maybe do it both ways. Maybe you're approaching public land and you're approaching a piece of property that you know holds turkey. If you're approaching turkey in public property, your first go around, opening day, March 20th this year, what, what are you doing? Um, hopefully you've already located an area where they might be and, and have listened. Okay. To, to, to find them, uh, find the roost area and just be, you know, be within earshot of that roost area. So roost, let's say you locate a roost area, okay? Opening day, you've already, you've done the preseason work, you've located a roost, uh, a roost area. Opening day, what do you do? First time, first time in the turkey, first time in the woods turkey hunting, but you know that your property holds turkey. You know where a, uh, an actual roost area is. How are you approaching opening day? Um, you want to get you know, as close as you can to the area without potentially spooking turkeys. But but yeah. but that's a that's a skill that's learned over a number of attempts at turkey hunting. Right. Day one. What do you do? To keep the odds in your favor, uh, just get within earshot, and you're already going to know the area. Um, try to figure out, kind of forming your mind where those turkeys are going to use that area, where they may or may not go. Uh, in your scouting, optimal if if you've heard him gobble and you stayed long enough to hear him fly down and see which way he goes if he gobbles on the ground, you'll get get in the direction that, that you think they might go. Yeah. And uh, set up and call and hope for the best. Patience is key. Be still. Be still. <laughs> Be still and patience. I remember Don't the first time it. we connected, you mentioned that every time you start to leave an area, you tell yourself, give it 10 more minutes. That's it. I feel like we need to touch on overcalling. Because I feel like I did a lot of that early on. Everybody does. When you let's when you hear, okay, you hear your call, box call, slate call, trumpet, whatever, and you hear one gobble. How do you not cross that line of over calling? Well, if he's a lot of times taking his temperature, with that's that's another learned. Learn thing you want to see how much he gobbles back at you. Yeah, you know some turkeys get them more fired up. They'll come in quicker if you can get them to, you know, if they're gobbling pretty regular at your calls. Yeah, but you know there's a there's a a line there where you might you'll make them hang up because you you make them think you're, you're they're coming to you. So you gotta kind of still leave them wanting more. You want to keep them curious. Yeah, yeah. But if you're if you're calling and he's only gobbling every 
three or four times you're calling, you know, you need to back it off and just, uh, you know, call not, not, maybe not quite so often. So you don't want to overcall, but at the same time, it's something that you really can't dial in on without spending time in the field. Right. You right. just got to be out yeah, there. Yeah, the turkeys, they'll, they'll, they'll teach you. All right. There's, yeah. you know, there's all the advice in the world that you can get. There's YouTube videos. But at the end of the day, you got to get out yeah, there. That's it. That's it. And you, you never figure them out. Nah. Yeah. You, you kill your first, you know, five or ten, you think you're a professional. And yeah. That 15th, uh, you oh, figure I'm out. I'm ready you to hang you, it. you don't know nothing. I'm ready to hang <laughs> it up. I think I'm going to quit while I'm ahead. I mean, I know uh, one of the. Best turkey hunters I know. His dad was a turkey hunter, and I think he said that his dad has killed upwards of three hundred birds in his life. Oh my goodness! That's, that's all in Georgia. Dude, this is not a man that's, that's a lot of turkey. Yeah, yeah, and and you never figure them out. <laughs> yeah, that's but that's the joy of it, mm. you know, like that uh, back and and I think I I've never had the opportunity to go elk hunting, but when I hear people describe it as marrying like deer hunting, white tail deer hunting and turkey hunting and actually communicating with an animal, it sounds amazing. You know, I've never had the opportunity to do that, but if it really is combining white tail deer hunting and turkey hunting, it's gotta be amazing. Oh yeah. And I, I, I've had a chance or two to go and I haven't went cause I know I'd probably like it. And turkey yeah. hunting too. If you get the chance to travel, you know, go out west. They're a little easier out there than they are around in the east. I mean, turkeys are turkeys. You get pressure turkeys, they're going to be tough anywhere. Yeah. But uh, you feel like a professional when you get out in Texas. Nebraska. How far are you on the Grand Slam? All I got left is my Osceola. Oh, really? And I'm, Where did you get your Merriam? Uh, Nebraska. When was that? Uh, 2018. What's stopping you from the Osceola? Uh... I just haven't made it down there yet. I'm going the the 22nd. Yeah, of this year. <laughs> no, the 21st. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me and uh, Travis, my cousin, we're going down there. Uh, so you may complete the Grand Slam this year. Yeah, hopefully. So explain the Grand Slam before we we cut this off. The Grand Slam is the four subspecies in the United States, which is the Osceola, the Eastern, uh, the Rio, and the Miriams. Then you got the Royal Slam. It's funny that you're in Georgia, and the last one is the Osceola. Yeah. Well, usually Osceola is usually the most expensive because there's a lot of private land in Florida. Well, and they know what they can get the money they'll charge. Of course, we're we're going to public land. So the uh, the very last podcast that we put out was with Darren Sims of Studio D Media. He does a lot. He he his company focuses on branding and marketing and helping different companies, but They've carved out uh, a niche in the outdoor industry. But I had him on for, uh, I think it was the last podcast that we put out. But that's what he was saying. Those hunts down there in Florida are expensive because that is the last step usually to complete that Grand Slam. And they know it. Yeah. I mean, two grand is cheap. Yeah. Yeah. For one of those hunts. But uh, there's public land in Florida, but you... uh, a lot of guys down there will wear tennis shoes instead of boots to outrun the other the other people to, to the turkeys because it gets a little bit madhouse. But uh, uh. well, keep us updated on that. Yeah. As far yeah. as so, as far as 
your Instagram, as far as where where people can find your turkey calls, uh, just lay it out. Where can people find you? Oh yeah, the agetrumpets.com and that's ag a-G-E trumpets.com and uh, it looks like age yeah, age trumpets.com people think it's age trumpets it's actually my initials but you know. I know that yeah <laughs> you know you're Anthony Ellis what what is your middle name Gwen Gwen yeah. Anthony Gwen Ellis age trumpets.com or what what is it yeah A-G-E trumpets age trumpets trumpets.com but before we break off, if you could go back to when you first, that may be a good question. What what triggered your love for turkey hunting? Because I know you're coming into it late. Before I ask the last question, what what actually, what was it that pulled you in to turkey hunting? Because not only did, and that's the thing, for anybody listening, Anthony didn't come into turkey hunting when he was six years old. He was... He was an adult. I mean, he came into what, 25? Uh, 27. Yeah. 27? Yeah. You came into turkey hunting 28, as an adult. What was it that put that hook in and set you on the course that you're on? Well, my my first, uh, my oldest was about to be born. And I saw just saw the relationship my uncle had with, with, with my cousin and they were they go on hunts every year i thought i'd like to pick something up to that we could you know possibly do every year and i right. always always like the outdoors so that's kind of what pulled me to it well but, you did rock climbing and a lot of yeah, stuff yeah. before you actually hunted mm-hmm. but uh, just the, the the challenge uh, how hard everybody said it was I'm like, well, i'd like to try my hand at this and see if i can do it yeah Lord, where, where it's took me. Well, you took it and run with <laughs> yeah. it. If you could go it's, back. It's consumed me. When when you were at that stage where you were like, I think hey, I could get into this. What would you tell yourself? Uh, oh, I don't know. It's hard to say. It's hard to say. <laughs> it's hard to say. You're coming into turkey hunting, okay? You've, you've explored it and you've decided it's something that you would like to do. What do you tell yourself? Um, I go I go back to be, the patient, the patient thing. Be patient. And, uh, don't overcall. <laughs> don't overcall. Don't overcall. Be patient. Be patient. Get, when you set up on an area and you call, get a comfortable chair or vest. <laughs> when you start calling, and you know not to just drive in, but when you start calling, if you're if you're a new turkey hunter. We talk about patience. We talk about moving on to different areas. If you're call, if you're if you're in an area and you're calling, how long do you give that area before you move on? Uh, like I say, if I know it holds turkeys, I'll stay longer. It, it depends on the sign. If there's a lot of fresh scratching, I, I might hang out an hour, hour and a half. Uh, if there's not a lot of good fresh sign. You know, 30, so thirty minutes in that gone. in that hour now, and now, a half. Now, if a turkey's gobbled, you know, I'll stay a little longer. So you've seen sign, you know, an area holds turkey. You've given it an hour, and nothing's. What what does that hour look like? Like, are you calling every fifteen minutes? What does that look like? 
I, I, that's about my my point of thumb is every 15 I'll call a little. Uh, uh, so if you set up on a particular area and you start calling, you'll maybe do it every 15 minutes upwards of an hour before you give up on that spot. Yeah, yeah, 30 minutes to an hour, depending on how confident That'd be a good rule of thumb to start. Yeah, yeah. It, if it, you're starting and you approach an area that you know hoes turkey, you're calling every 15 minutes and you give it at minimum an hour. And th- this is all shit that, you know, starting out that I would like to know. You know what I mean? Of course, ideally you want to cover ground and try to find a turkey that's that's goblin, right. you know. If if you can't locate something, you know, you know, find the sign and sit down and what's called dry calling. Just go sit down and and dry call. But, but uh, at the end of the day, and I've heard multiple people say it: patience kills birds. It does. It does. I've uh I've messed up quite a few situations <laughs> being and, impatient, and everybody does. They still do. You know, it's. Is there anything that I've missed that you feel like somebody should know if they're looking this way? Mm. There's a lot of stuff we've missed, but you could write there's there's books on it. But. That's the thing. <laughs> yeah. There's so much. You know. And that's what's hard about these conversations. You're trying to cover, you know, every I guess weak spot that somebody might have when they're getting into it. Because there's a lot of them, you know, particularly if you're hunting property well mostly public land like if you're hunting those types of areas if you don't have a track of land that holds birds let's be honest totally different game there's two there's two tracks or two sets of turkey hunters there's the turkey hunters that have tracks of land that holds birds and then there's turkey hunters that have to go scavenge and find birds and you know work a little harder to be successful and and the thing about it is, you know, if if, if you got a lease with turkeys, you know, sometimes those birds will be as hard as the public land bird, depending on how much they're hunted. Right. Like I was on a lease, uh, I didn't get back on it this year, but because of Corona, you know, usually just me and this one other guy would hunt that lease, and I killed birds on it for the past two or three years. There was eight guys there on that 800 <laughs> acres. <laughs> that's the that's the same hunt somebody walked up on me and they ran the turkeys off i mean they were i'd located five was this this past year it was that I, story I, was this past year yes i'd located five different birds on that property did and you we, know the guy that walked up on you no i didn't know him so he's just him. out of the blue there's yeah, another but, dude but there. I, I ran into eight different guys there that day <laughs> And after about a week, I heard no turkeys there. And I, I, I covered that whole 800 acres, you know, for the next month. Yeah. And never heard another peep. And that, that place is loaded. Yeah. It's loaded. Well, you've probably drove by the field going towards the powerhouse down there. Yeah. You know, there's always turkeys in, in that area. But I, they, they were on the neighboring properties. They all, uh, they ran them off. Well, and, you know, and I guess. And, and they're too on public land, too, if you Find the good spots. I mean, you right. gotta, you got to work for them. you got to walk, but you can find unpressured turkeys on the public land. you just gotta, you just got to find them. Uh, you know, at the very least, it is an incredible experience. I mean, the fact that you get to move around quite a bit and, you know, a lot of times hunt with a buddy, it's special to take a gobbler, don't get me wrong, but 
I do love the fact that turkey hunting allows you to experience different elements of hunting. Oh, yeah. And there's certain memories that, you know, you and your buddy, it's just, it's different. It's just different than deer hunting, but at the same time, it's one of those, at the end of the day, it's just another excuse to be outside. Another excuse to be in the woods. I feel like we've covered a lot of territory. I don't know anything else unless you've got something that I missed. But as far as like starting out turkey hunting, bottom line, if you're hunting public property, it's work. If you're hunting private property, it's work. And something else I'll say too, if the people getting into it, if you pull up somewhere and there's a truck, go somewhere else. Don't go in, you know, deer hunting, you know, you can have how many people on a hundred acres? Yeah. Potentially, you know, three or four different people hunting and not getting each other's hair. You know, three or four hundred acres, two people can be cramped right. hunting a turkey. You know, if you pull up to a gate, somebody's there, go somewhere else. You know, that's just common courtesy. That's useful. Yeah. yeah a lot of guys will come in and try to jump between you and the turkey, and that, that does, does nothing but bump the turkey and piss right. everybody off. Yeah. Yeah. Now, that's, I, th- I think that's a good a good piece of advice to wrap up with. You know, like, it's it sucks to pull up to a gate and see a truck. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, especially <laughs> when you know there's a bird back there and you just get But it happens. Him. But, yeah, I mean, you better – it's a good to find, you know, you you want to – you want plan B, C, D, and, and E. Right. <laughs> yeah. No, that's uh, – I think out of all the advice, maybe that's the best as far as – not putting your eggs all in one basket. Yeah, yeah. If you've got if you've got a window during the preseason, everybody does. It really boils down to how much do you want to kill that bird. Right, yeah. right. Uh, but if preseason, you know, you realize that, but you don't put all your eggs in one basket. You locate, you know, a, a few different areas, and then you approach it from there. Exactly. I like it. Anthony, I don't know what else more we could discuss that could help anybody, but uh, I appreciate the hell of you coming by. You yeah. brought cigars and alcohol. <laughs> hey, hey, are you coming back next week? <laughs> hey, well, what day? I, I, I can talk turkey all, every day, all day. Hey, I tell you what, let's uh, let's put a let's put a pin in uh, wrapping up turkey season. Oh yeah. Let's get back together yeah. when turkey season's over. We'll talk about turkey we season, what went well. What went wrong? Swap and sop stories. All that good stuff. <laughs> to give us another excuse to smoke some more cigars. That's it. That's it. All right. Well, I hope y'all enjoy the conversation. Anthony, I appreciate you stopping by. Uh, we'll do it again here in a month and a half or so and see what we got. Oh, sounds good. If you made it this far, hats off to you. I, I didn't. I, when I went back and listened to it, it seemed like it was never going to end for me. But appreciate you listening at the very least. Hope you enjoyed the conversation with Anthony. Congrats again to Anthony on closing the Grand Slam. I know uh, on the podcast we were talking about him going down there, and it's awesome to know that he was able to close that out. So we'll see you all next time.